Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 209. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got some Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Cool. Yeah. This week, we've got two horror movies. I feel like we've been doing a lot of horror movies recently. Well, it seems like this is the time of the year where yeah, we there's, dump, dump the horror movies. There's, yeah, it seems like there's been a number of uh, horror movies coming out recently. So, we'll be talking about Mickey Keating's Darling, which is now out on VOD and is playing in select theaters. And we're also going to talk about Mike Flanagan's Hush, which is uh, available on Netflix. Premiered on Netflix Uh-oh. this week. Uh, of course, we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Got some movie predictions, some VOD releases, some Blu-ray stuff in there. Let's start things off as we normally do with a little bit of news. Uh, there's been some casting news this week for David Wayne's National Lampoon movie. Now, uh, as most of you may know, I'm a big fan of the National Lampoon, the, uh, yeah. the classic yeah. National Lampoon, as in the magazine and the first few movies. Uh, and David Wayne's going to be directing a biopic of sorts about the National Lampoon. This is going to be on Netflix. This is going to be a Netflix original movie. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing that it's going to be called A Feudile and Stupid Gesture because it's based on the book. Uh, it's going to be largely focused on the life of Doug Kenny, who was one of the founders of the National Lampoon. He's going to be played by Will Forte, okay. which I'm a pretty big fan of. Uh, Doug Kenny, you may know him because largely Doug Kenny was kind of a behind-the-scenes guy, but he was in Animal House. He played... The one kind of weird-looking nerdy guy in Animal House with the glasses. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen that movie in ages. No. Which it. just reminded me, I need to, I need to rewatch that one. You do. I'm you do. do that. I'm gonna do that. So, in addition to Will Forte being the lead, we're also they announced Donald Gleason is going to be playing Henry Jeez. Beard. He was one of the. <laughs> God. He was one of the co-founders. Uh, Thomas Lennon is going to be. Uh, Michael O'Donohue, Joel McHale will be playing Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I like that for some reason. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, especially since you know Joel Joel McHale. That's the only reason it's interesting. <laughs> and I feel like they did that just because of just because of that tidbit. Yeah, because he doesn't really look like. Chevy Chase, and he doesn't particularly act like Chevy Chase either. He, he must did, do the, like a really good behind the scenes Chevy Chase impression. That's that what I'm guessing. We I'm, just haven't been privy to yet. Exactly. I'm thinking that all the time that he spent with Chevy Chase on Community, I bet he developed something of a like a a good impression of him or something, and that's what we're gonna see. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, additionally, this week they announced. Uh, the casting of John Belushi, Harold Ramis, and um, uh, who am I missing? John Belushi, Harold Ramis, and Bill Murray. Okay. So uh, John Gemberling is going to be John Belushi. He, you may know him from Broad City. He's Bevers from Broad okay. City. All right. Oh yeah, that's right. I did see that. So that's cool. I'm I'm down with that. Uh, Rick Glassman will be playing uh, Harold Ramis. Rick Glassman is from. The show Undateable on NBC. I've never seen it, but okay. 
and uh, John Daly is going to be Bill Murray. John Daly is from uh, Kroll Show. He's one of the rich dicks from Kroll Show. <laughs> so I, I think that that's, uh, that's some good casting. I'm kind of excited for that. There's a lot of funny people on that. Yeah. Also, Seth Green has been cast as Christopher Guest. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm I'm excited for that too. I want to see Seth Green doing Christopher Guest. That should be a that should be a fun movie. Hopefully. Yeah. Matt Walsh has also been been added in there as well. He'll be Maddie Simmons, who is the CEO of the uh, publishers of National Lampoon. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that that movie. Good stuff. Yeah, good I think, stuff. I think, I think it's gonna turn out turn out good. Uh, Netflix. Their catalog has shrunk by 31.7%. What? Now, you're a big Netflix guy, Kevin. What do you think about this? 31.7%. Yeah, but what, what, what's, what, what part of the catalog? Because there's a lot of shit on there that no one's ever going to watch. Well, that's movies movies and TV shows. That's kind of a culmination of, of both. Because have you ever like just got stuck in a K-hole and just searched through their list of like Play Instant? Yeah, but it used to be better. That that's the thing. Like it they they've done it little by little to the point where you you don't really notice it. So like they used to have Okay, so as of January 2014, they had 6,494 movies and 1,609 TV shows. And then as of March 23rd of this year, they offered just 4,335 movies and 1,197 TV shows. So that's 2571 fewer titles. Yeah. So their their catalogs getting smaller. Now, what I think that they're doing is this is I think that they're going to eventually just have original stuff. I think eventually their their catalog of m- movies and TV shows that are not their own, I think they're going to keep dwindling as their original programming rises because, you know, they started off with the original shows and now now they're adding in movies because they started with i think documentaries first they they picked up some documentaries and we're putting them up on there but now they have their own movies they're they're just they're buying up movies from festivals left and right yeah. and i think eventually what's going to be happening is that it's just going to be its own thing yeah but there's like so much on here that they could get rid of like i'm just looking through it now and there's Oh sure, I mean, uh, there's lots of crap. Like I can I, I can watch the wildebeest migration. Yeah, there's no one's gonna watch that. They have like all those Nat Geo things and all. Yeah, that. no one's gonna watch that. Showdown of the Unbeatables from Nat Geo. Who watches that show? Didn't even know that was a show. Well, apparently it is. Somebody out there probably wants to see that. Travel Channel's Underground Barbecue Challenge. <laughs> oh, nice. You know what I mean? Like, this this is just taking up space. Travel Channel's Extreme Vacation Homes. For you, but some people what? like Extreme Vacation Homes. Cooking Channel's Bite This. I just think that it's that it is kind of a sign of things to come with Netflix. I think that they're going to be doing more and more. I mean, they, they just this year alone they they announced that they'll be releasing 31 original shows, which is way more than a couple of years ago when they had one or two. It is, uh, it's when I've gotten on recently, I had, I never realized how many shows that they have. 
Yeah. On Netflix, like their original shows. Yeah, because they, half of these you don't even hear about. Yeah, man. because a lot of them are shows that were released on other channels in other countries. You know, like they have a lot of British programming and stuff that came out in the UK that they then pick up and release here. So a yeah. lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff they didn't make, they didn't f- like finance the creation of the shows, but they are releasing it. You know what I mean? So like a lot of these shows have been around for a while and then they just picked it up and are putting it out as their own. There's so many things on here I've never heard of. Well, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that I still think that Netflix has the worst navigation of any hey, site ever in the history don't of anything. Don't even get me started. Don't <laughs> even get me started. It, it Netflix is, is fucking awful. It is absolutely terrible. I went. I wanted to look for something on Netflix the other day, and it was something. It was like I don't even remember what it was. It was like a TV show or something that I had already been watching on Netflix, and but I yeah, could not just, find it. And it'll just disappear. I could not find it, Kevin. But there's times where I get when I load it up on my on my PlayStation, right? And it changes every single fucking time I load it up. Because normally it's like my list is right at the top, and then the bar under that is continue watching. Yeah. And it changes every single time. Sometimes my continue watching bar, not even there. Not even there. Can't find it. They just get rid of it for like two weeks for some reason. Yeah. And then they'll add movies that are big movies, and I'll see about it somewhere. You know, I'll see it like when someone on Twitter will say something or somewhere else. And it's like, oh, shit, that should be right on the front page because that's a big movie. Yeah. And it's nowhere to be found. You have to search for it. Like, how hard is it to just have a dedicated page of, hey, this is all the new stuff that we just added? I don't understand why you can't. Now, I I use Apple TV for Netflix, so maybe this is on some of the other apps, but I can't look search by genre. Like I can't look at, there's no section for that. I have to either page through their own categories where it's like bloody supernatural <laughs> horror. Or, yeah, their categories are out of control too. Or do a search, but sometimes I don't want to search. Sometimes I want to browse. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to be pigeonholed into these very, very specific categories that you're giving me sometimes i just want to look at comedies but i can't because there's no genre section in the app it's it's insane and also like what you were saying with the whole my list thing i can't find that half the time i have no idea where my list is because it's yeah i have to page down and go past all of the other crap yeah and it's like oh my god it's just you, you know you have to go past the witty movies yeah, cerebral movies and and movies from the 1990s. And there are there are other sites out there that that use the Netflix API that help you help it be more organized. But that shouldn't you shouldn't have to use a third party site. It should just no, be there. This is and again we're or at least I am all over all over Fandor here. Fandor has a new releases page, and it's just the new movies. Yeah. You can just How go and the that? ones at the tops are the one at the top is what they just added either that day or yesterday. And you can just cycle through and it goes on for like 20 pages. So if you don't go to Fandor for like four days, just go to that page and just page through them. And you're like, okay, I'm up to date with everything that's been added to Fandor. Yep. It's so easy. And, and also how Fandor has genre. They, they have their own like curated stuff that you can look at. 
but they and also then have genre. And their filters on their genres are fantastic. You know, you can go by runtime, uh, country, the year. Yeah. And then they have it broken down in the subgenres. Like action and adventure has Bruce Ploitation, <laughs> Chop Saki, Disaster, Seafaring. You have Seafaring action and adventure movies. Pedlum, Manhunt, Combat, Biker, Sword and Sandal. Like you can break it down into everything. Yep, and that's that's fantastic. And I'll say that the Fandor app on Apple TV, unlike the Netflix one, is great. I can find exactly what I'm looking for. It doesn't take me an hour to sift through a bunch of garbage to locate what I'm looking for. It's, yeah. Anyway, Netflix, get your shit together. God. How fucking hard is it, Netflix? I mean, I'm not gonna... I've canceled and resubscribed to Netflix five times probably over the last two years, but... I'm keeping it now for the original movies and programming, but man, I feel like yeah. all their shit together. Um, yeah. I I do want to give credit to allflix.com for coming up with uh, or for releasing those those statistics uh, okay. about the catalog. Nice. Uh, the Golden Trailer Award nominations were announced this weekend. Um, I'm not going to go through these the. I appreciate that something like this exists because I think that that trailers, be it uh, TV show trailers, video game trailers, any any kind of trailers, uh, should be recognized because I think that they are a really important part of the marketing for a movie or whatever, um, and they they rarely get noticed. So I think that the the golden trailers are a good thing because a lot of work gets put into making these trailers, especially. And a good trailer can really make or break oh, yeah. a movie. Because there's some people that, you know, that's the only way in which they decide if they're going to a movie or not. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I watch a lot of trailers. And for me, uh, tra- trailers work. They they get me excited about a movie that maybe I wouldn't be otherwise. So, you know, and especially when it, like, when festivals festival time comes around and they release just start rolling them off yeah when they start releasing festival trailers because these are movies that are completely unknown like i have no idea what these movies are so when they release a trailer it's like oh okay yeah i'm i like the look of this yeah so i think i think trailers are definitely uh underrated in in their influence and i think they're a really important aspect of the medium so I appreciate that the Golden Trailer Awards are a thing. I don't know how big of a deal they are to the people that actually make the trailers, but yeah, uh, you know, I think I think it's they're cool. The, the, like as far as these awards go, it's insane. They break it down in de- It's like this is like a Fandor category <laughs> breakdown here. They have like best foreign action, best for foreign comedy. They have um best foreign graphics in a trailer like foreign horror foreign independent foreign music and then of course they have like the domestic versions of all of those and it's crazy there's so many categories they do video games too trashiest trailer (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh you can you can page through through these um i didn't post them on the site or anything but um you can find them on the uh the Golden Trailer Awards website, which is goldentrailer.com. Yeah. Uh, trailers this week. 
Got a few trailers to talk about. Swiss Army Man, the farting corpse movie, as it's been called by the media. Uh, this is the one with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe that was, uh, I'd say it was probably one of the most talked about movies out of Sundance this year. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a movie with a farting corpse, I think you're automatically going to be one of the most talked about. I was already on board with this, and after watching the trailer, I gotta say I'm even more on board because it looks so absurd and ridiculous, and I'm just, I'm all in. I'm all in on this one. It just looks like a blast. Some of the stuff that he uses that corpse for. Uh, If you're not familiar, Paul Dano gets stranded on a desert island. He's about to end his own life when a corpse washes ashore, and it turns out that the corpse is played by Daniel Radcliffe, and he ends up using the corpse as a tool to help um, help survive on this island. So it's a Swiss Army man. <laughs> uh, I wonder if he just get, he you know gets a disease from this corpse, having this corpse around, and then just dies at the end. I doubt it. I want to say I doubt it. I hope that it ends that way. But the trailer shows a lot of the, the various uses of the corpse. So, yeah, let's say check out the trailer because uh, it looks like an interesting one. Uh, Bloodfather. This is the new Mel Gibson movie. Just wanted to mention it because it's Mel Gibson and he hasn't been in anything for a while. This movie looks, ter- it looks terrible, but uh, it's a Mel Gibson movie. Sort of an William, action thriller. William H. Macy. Yep, Bill Macy's in it. Diego Luna. Yeah. Not sure what to think about this one yet. Uh, it's probably not going to be good, but the, the last Mel Gibson movie, I, th- I think, was um, that Get the Gringo movie, which was actually pretty good. So I think that it got unfairly maligned just because Mel Gibson was in it, but the movie itself was actually pretty decent. So I don't, I don't know what to say about this one. It looks like kind of a, a Taken style Action movie. Bloodfather. Yep. Eh, we'll see. I don't know. And the big one that came out this week was Rogue One, A Star Wars Tale. This is the, the new Star Wars movie that's coming out this December. Oh, boy. Boy, was I excited for this one. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I am all about this one. I might, I, I don't know. I might be, I don't know. The hype for the last Star Wars was pretty big, but... For some reason, this one, just from the teaser trailer, looks better to me than, than the, the last Star Wars. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. And it was just the teaser, so we didn't get to see a whole lot out of it. But. There's a lot of fucking people on this. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Directed, by, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards. So, it looks, visually looks pretty gorgeous. I, uh, well, it's got Ben Mendelsohn, so that's all I need to know. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. Even with Forrest Whitaker in there, still not going to deter me. <laughs> yeah. Ben Mendelsohn is stronger. He has a couple Which... lines. He has a couple lines in the teaser, and that was the only thing that brought it down for me. I was like, oh no, I'm st- I'm still excited for it. <laughs> it looks. It still looks pretty awesome. So yeah, I'd say. Absolutely check out the, the teaser for that one. Get, get yourself hyped up for Rogue One. Uh, oh let's, go, let's just jump into our first review. Let's just okay. transition right into that. Perfect transition. Yeah, perfect transition. Seamless. Gonna, I was thinking we could talk about Darling first. Let's do it. 
All right, so this is written and directed by Mickey Keating. I have a synopsis here, A Lonely Girl's Violent Descent into Madness. Simple, to the point. This stars, this stars Lauren Ashley Carter, and she's pretty much the only person in it. I mean, Sean Young's in it for a couple seconds. Larry Fassenden has a uh, little cameo in there. Uh, Kevin, I was thinking we could start it off with you on this one. What did you think of Darling? Darling is one of those 50-50 movies where 50% of it I'm really into. Really, really into it. Love the look of it. Love the feel of it for the most part. Um, the other 50% do not like it at all. And I want it to stay away from me as far as possible. And putting it all together at the same time, it doesn't feel like, like, a, like a whole movie, honestly. No, not this feels like a like a rough sketch of an idea that they're it, you know it seems like they're just more it's more just like an experiment with like the visual style and the atmosphere that yeah. they're trying to create and there's just I mean honestly when it comes down to the narrative of the descent into madness or whatever the hell you want to call it it's just man it's it's like a whisper of yeah. a narrative yeah there's there's not a lot there's not a lot here other than the visuals and and the interesting stylistic choices that they make with the lots of flashing, lots of like quick bursts of like screaming and, and stuff. Yes. Uh, a lot of that. And in fact, there's actually a warning before the movie starts that lets you know, Hey, there's going to be a lot of strobing, which I gotta say, I didn't think there was that, that much of the strobing going on. Cause I was a little worried at first. Cause I can't handle that stuff. No, there wasn't. I was like, oh, we go. I don't think I didn't think they overused it. And I was like, man, that's kind of tame, guys. I think it would have worked a lot better if they just if they went full on abstract. Because anytime close. it's trying, yeah. Because anytime it's like working in like the narrative mode, it's just it doesn't work at all. Yeah. Well, let's let's back up a little bit and just kind of outline the plot. So basically, Lauren Ashley Carter plays a a young woman who is hired as a caretaker in this old uh, building in New York City, and that's it. That's pretty much it. So she, Sean Young is the one that hires her. She walks around this house and slowly starts to go insane. Yep. And rumor has it that the house is haunted. So, uh, you know, we can sort of infer that the house is making her go crazy. You got all the, you got voices. She's hearing voices whispering. Yeah, but. There's a, there's a there's a little twist that happens at the end um, that I don't know if it necessarily worked for me because it it's it felt so like superficial by the end I I wasn't that invested in it to begin with so when that twist did occur I didn't really care yeah and I'm referring to there's like a phone call that she gets from Sean Young yeah that that kind of reveals something but it was just like eh, oh okay all right. <laughs> yeah because it i mean and even because this movie is relatively short i mean it's it is. a little over an hour but man yeah. it does it at the same time it feels like they really draw this out yeah yeah for, like yes. this i think this would work much better as a short film you know what i mean it it seems like you had the content for a short film and then yeah. you're just trying to draw it out for a barely a feature yeah because it gets kind of repetitive too where she's just kind of moseying around the house mm-hmm. and and you know like it says at the beginning with the whole, the strobing and the the hallucinations and stuff there just wasn't enough of that 
like you, you could have filled that time with the hallucinations or whatever, but most of the time it's just quick, you know, like the the little glitches yeah. of like like the yeah, flashes, quick, like quick flashes. It's like, yeah, it's like that's not like that's not spooking people anymore. That's not making people unsettled. There was one there was one time that it happened that it that it spooked me and it was just a, a quick flash of like her with her, those giant eyes and she had she was like screaming but it was like it it caught me off guard. I think she was like in the bathroom or something and it just like randomly happened and it made me jump, but that was that was the only time. Yeah, it does it does hit you. They do that a couple of times. It did give me once. Which uh but... like you said, I mean that that's cool. I I liked that kind of uh aesthetic where that's her slowly cracking and she's losing it and those things occur but it just uh it just didn't really do it for me as a whole like there there just wasn't a lot for me to latch on to here i thought lauren ashley carter was uh she gave a solid performance yeah she definitely she definitely carries the film yeah that that and the black and white cinematography yeah plus you know the the uh the setting that you have because that house is just ridiculous yeah it was gorgeous that the house was gorgeous and uh, yeah, the black and white cinematography was was good. It was solid, and I think a lot of the framing choices were were good. But well, I mean, it gets your hopes up too. I mean, the opening shot, you're yeah. just like, oh my god, yeah, yes. this is awesome. Let's do this. And then there's also this. It has this feel, which it never quite went there. It had this like I thought it was going to go down this like campy road because it had you know they have the little uh, chapter titles mm-hmm. that pop up yeah and then there's the one that it's like thrills and demons mm-hmm. and it's like oh shit we're gonna start getting campy this is gonna be fun but they don't they don't do that no seems really odd yeah it doesn't really get campier fun and also that uh, i feel like the chapter divisions don't even really need to exist because no, it's not don't. like it's not like a whole lot different happens from chapter no. two to chapter three or whatever No. There's just not a whole lot going on there as far as chapter progression. No, <laughs> completely unnecessary. It's just it's just unfortunate because it looks so good. I yeah. just wish they went, you know, I just wish they did something interesting with it. Yeah, I feel you like know, they, were, they were abstract or just experimental or something, you know, like, like I said, the, the, the quick the quick cut editing, you know, the glitchiness of it and everything. They just kind of repeat that over and over again, you know, where people are like, you know, twisting your head around and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like they were, they were trying to harken back to, you know, the old like sixties style, uh, like repulsion or something like that. Like, you know, classic Polanski. Yeah. They're definitely going for that. Which that didn't bother me too much. Didn't bother me too much. I, um, I wasn't, but I just, I felt like they didn't really capitalize on that. No. And like the, the glitchy editing thing, it's like, I can just watch an Aphex Twin video. Like they do it so much better. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is, this is a new hat here. You know, this is, this is played out. And then you keep going back to it over and over and over again. It's like, come on, man, let's do something interesting. You got well, that's, the look. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really the shtick. Like that's that's where 
the horror comes from. I mean, there's, there's, you know, when she finally does crack, you know, there's, there's some violence for sure. But I mean, that's, yeah, that was the only thing that kind of was like, Oh geez, there's a, the quick, you know, the flashing, um, the editing that was going on when there's, uh, some dismemberment going on. That was the only thing that was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely amped up during that, during that scene. And, but then, but then it quickly dies down. Oh again. yeah, yeah. As soon as, as soon as that's over with, it's yeah. I will that's say there's a terrible. there's a great Mondo poster that came out this week. Jay Shaw did a Mondo poster for this. It's pretty awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's some really like striking scenes in this because of the black and white and the mm-hmm. way you know they frame certain things. But man, I love the title card. Uh, yeah, the, oh, the title card is great. Loved it. I'm with you there. I'm with you. <laughs> this could have used a little more meat on him, though. Yeah, I agree. She's not much. I agree. It's, I'd say it's maybe worth a look just because of it is a pretty brisk runtime. Uh, although I will again warn you that you it feels like a f- longer movie than it is. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like it 76 is. minutes long or something, but it's it feels like a. F- you're watching that shit for at least an hour and a half to two hours. (laughs) This is like, there's a certain point where it's like, I think 20 minutes of this, it's just her walking down that hall. Yeah. With like the, the cut up, the cut up editing of her walking down that hall. And, and you know, we, we talk about slow burn movies a lot on this show and both, both of us, I think I can speak for you, Kevin, that slow burns. Great. I love slow burn. Thrillers horror that's, movies. That's pretty much what I want. I yeah, want slow burn. I, I think that slow burn is great, but an effective slow burn horror movie or a thriller has a buildup. Like you can feel the tension or the dread or the suspense building. Like there's there's something that's going on where you're just like, oh man, something. Oh geez, yeah, something's happening. It, but because it builds you, it builds you up to a point where you're just you finally you kind of lose it a little bit where you're like just fucking do it already get i i need it i need the release exactly what's gonna happen this just draws it out it it just the there to me there wasn't much of a build-up like it was slow yes but there was no it didn't feel like it was building to anything i didn't feel like she was slowly losing her mind no i I just honestly i thought she lost her mind like two minutes in yeah. I'm like, okay, she's at, she's out of her mind already. Okay, yeah, she's, we're not building up to that anymore. Exactly. She finds the necklace, and then it's all downhill from there. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it's it. Like, like two minutes in, we're at the finish line. It's like, oh, shit, okay. So what, what, is, what is this, the, the post-game interview? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> uh, we already ran the race. We missed it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I did like the scene at the end where they just showed... Uh, it was like the upside down shot of the city. I thought that mm-hmm. was that looked really cool. Again, yeah, there's there's a number of shots in this that are great. There's there's little pieces here and there that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just unfortunately for every one of those scenes, there's two more where like absolutely nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah. in any way, shape, or form, you know, visually anything. No, it's just nothing. Yep, uh, it's unfortunate. It's a bummer. It is a bummer. Because I got to say, with, like, within the first, like, you know, I would say like, maybe first five minutes, I'll be generous. I was just like, holy shit. 
this is going to be a surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to be amazing. I can feel it. But it it didn't turn out that way. I I will say that uh, the the director, Mickey Keating, uh, he... He's definitely somebody that I want to keep an eye on. I, I want to see more of his stuff. I heard um, heard good things about his next film, Carnage Park. I want to see that. Um, I, I didn't see Pod, which was the one that came out before Darling, but I kind of want to check that out now. I do have, a, I do have that. I was going to say, I thought you did watch Pod. I, no, I didn't. I, it was sent to me, but I did not get around to... Um, checking it out unfortunately but now i might uh might watch it uh, yeah. but uh, yeah I'm, I'm definitely interested in carnage park now for sure because it's got uh it's got a great poster too it's got a pretty good cast too yep yep keep an eye out for that one yeah definitely uh all right let's go ahead and give this a score kevin what are you gonna give darling i'm gonna give darling a five i am also gonna give darling a five just just uh just didn't quite hit the mark for me, unfortunately. No, but it's got some nice visuals in there. It does. And Lauren I, Ashley Carter is pretty good in it. Yeah, I liked her a lot in Jug Face, and I think that uh, she definitely is headed to that Scream Queen status. She, it seems like she's she does a lot of indie horror movies these days. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, check it out. Darling, just know that there's not a whole lot going on there. Still, <laughs> it still shows promise, though, for sure. Yeah, don't get your expectations up too high. Yeah. All right, let's talk about our next movie, Hush. This is written and directed by Mike Flanagan. Uh, this, I have a synopsis here. A deaf woman is stalked by a psychotic killer in her secluded home. Uh, this stars John Gallagher Jr., Kate Siegel, and Michael Trucco. Uh, Which another another synopsis that's just straight to the point. Straight to the point, yeah. Uh, so I'll start this off. First of all, I I was interested in this mostly because of Mike Flanagan. He's the guy that directed Oculus and Absentia. Now, Absentia was a very low-budget indie horror movie that, that got a lot of praise. A lot of people liked that one. I wasn't a big fan of it, but I did like Oculus quite a bit. I thought that it was a really interesting... I thought it was a really interesting take on the whole supernatural horror movie because when, when Oculus came out, that was when the, the the supernatural horror resurgence was in full effect, and I was totally I was on on my way out. I was like, "All right, enough. I, I've had enough." But then when Oculus came out, I was like, "All right, there's there's enough going on here that I'm kind of into it." And I gotta say that I kind of felt the same way about Hush. Now this is like a home invasion thriller. We've seen a million of these, but the hook is that. The, the, the victim in this is she's deaf, so she can't, she can't hear what's going on. And I, I, I kind of instantly gravitated towards that, that idea because I thought that you could, you know, you could do a lot of really cool stuff oh, this is, with there's that. So much. There's so much. I mean, it's just because it's untapped. Yeah. It's untapped potential right there. So, so many different ways with it. So I went into it kind of, you know instantly interested and i gotta say overall I, th- I i thought the movie was fine it didn't blow me away or anything but i did think that they utilized a number of interesting things with this unfortunately i didn't find the killer to be quite he wasn't that interesting we never really found out what his motivations yeah. were or anything like that he was just 
He was flat. He was just a flat. He's beyond killer. Dull. Which I didn't know that that was John Gallagher. I didn't either. Uh, at one point, <laughs> I was watch. We were watching the movie. I was watching it with my girlfriend, and I said, "I said, oh, that kind of looks like John Gallagher Jr." And she's like, "It is John Gallagher Jr." And I was like, "No, it's not." And I looked it up, and I was like, "Okay, uh, it is." <laughs> well, that's I, yeah. I looked it up afterwards. And I'm like, "Nah, that can't be right." <laughs> yeah, it can't. It can't be. But apparently, it was. I mean, IMDb's only lied to me a couple of times. So yeah. Uh, so maybe, maybe I can expand on the synopsis a little bit more. So the, so Kate Siegel plays a writer. She's an author. She is staying in this kind of remote cabin in order to finish her next book. And she, I think it was at the age of 13, she lost her hearing. So the first thing, and this is, this is, I know it's a really small insignificant thing that probably not a lot of people even noticed, but. The use of technology in this movie is some of the most accurate I think I've seen in quite a long time. Everything <laughs> is on point. Well, it's funny because I don't have like any Apple products, and of course, you know that's what she's using here. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, I, and I'm kind of getting to see like what you can do, like the interconnectivity of yeah. everything. I'm just like, wait, it can do all that? <laughs> yeah, it's Hold all. Up. It's all Hold up. The use of technology is a hundred percent accurate in this, and I I gotta say like that really aided in my enjoyment of this because because that's how it would really happen, and it added to the realism for me. And uh, yeah, it, I know it's a small thing, but it really for me at least definitely went a went a long way at least at the beginning before you know. I yeah, and all all honestly, I wish they would have. I think I wish they would have used that a little bit more. Yeah, because they, they only I mean, use it right at the beginning, and then... Yeah, and then next thing you know, it's like, bam, I'm John Gallagher Jr., I'm here to kill you. And you're like, oh, shit, well, that just sucked all the tension out. Yeah, that was that was the other thing. Like, he wears this creepy mask that you see uh, yeah. in the poster <laughs> and stuff. But he takes it off, like, two seconds in, and you're just like, okay, well, there we go. That's what I mean. Like, he's, you, you know... There's really interesting things going on with the the technology and stuff, and you're like, oh man, he's gonna this is gonna be drawn out, and she's gonna be tortured and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, and then he just pops up at the door, takes his mask off, and he's like, hi, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Why did we do all that work? And and at that point, I I also thought to myself because this is like what fifteen twenty minutes into the movie. And I was like, where are they going to go from here? We already know the identity of the killer. He already, you know, killed at, at that time. I was thinking, oh, he already killed the person that could save her. It's only her. She, it's down to her. She's the only yeah. one left. So it's like, where are we going to go from here? I mean, all he has to do is, she has like 50 doors in this house. All he, all he has to do is bust <laughs> down the door and she kill her. She has windows everywhere. Yeah. Just break them fucking windows. Well, there's, yeah, he just gets caught up in the whole, which that's, that's the main thing that kind of bugged me with this is the killer makes no fucking sense in this movie. Well, he, he, he's clearly, he's all about this. Well, he's all about this, like playing the game and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is going to be fun. And then, like I said, he like kills, kills the game by just popping up and be like, Hey, this is what I look like. Now I have to kill you. Yeah. And he's just like, I can come in whatever I want, but I'm going to wait. And it's like, uh, okay. 
what can you really do with that? The only thing that I, and I thought the other thing was, it didn't really seem to utilize the whole her being deaf that well. Outside of the only thing that kind of, that I thought was interesting was in the sense that she, she doesn't realize like how much noise she's making. Right. Yeah. Cause you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's probably ridiculously quiet. Yeah. It usually is in those, those places. And you got two people and she's trying to sneak around and I'm just thinking like, he can clearly hear you. Yeah. Lady. Like, what are you doing? Well, that was everything you're doing. Yeah. I, I kind of agree in that they maybe could have done a, a few more things with the fact that she has this disability, but they did utilize it at the beginning. And that's, that was one of the things where I was like, Oh man, this is going to be crazy. Yeah, exactly. You know, but he was kind of like, this isn't a big spoiler or anything, but early, like right at the beginning, he gets into the house and she has no idea he's there. And he's like messing with her. Yeah. And, and that's what I thought we were, we were getting into here. And I was like, Oh man, this is creepy. Like this is especially when she's uh, on FaceTime with her sister, and she kind of sees sees him in the background. And I was like, "Oh man, this is yeah, this is pretty intense." But uh, yeah, they kind of throw all that thrown away. Out the damn window. It's just like I'm here. Well, they, they do at some point. They do come back to it a little bit at the very end, which um, which I thought was was cool and. But yeah, but for the most part, it's just it's just standard fare, right? Yeah, and it's just it. Oh my god, it irritated the shit out of me. Such a fucking disappointment. I thought that she was she was definitely a stronger female lead than a lot of these kind of typical slasher esque movies. She she played it smart a lot, and I liked that. Uh, she she thought things through, like she weighed out the options, and yeah, that was I, another. I I hate the way in which they did that. That was that was an interesting thing because they only do it once, and when that happens, I was like, "What? Like, if you're gonna do that, then then do it through the whole movie. Don't just do that one time because well, they they deliberately fool the audience in that scene, and yeah, it was really frustrating because at first I was like, "Oh my god." This was like the ballsiest thriller I've ever seen. And then, they're, and then they go back, they renege on what they showed. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that irritated me is they set it up in the beginning where, you know, she talks about having a writer's voice in her yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, okay, they're definitely going to employ that at some point. So. Yeah, of course. And then, the, of course, she talks about like, well, I have seven different endings that I'm working on and I just got to try and figure out the right one. It's like, oh, okay. So they're going to utilize that in some fashion. And then when they do, like... the execution of that was just terrible how like there's a superimposed image of her next to herself talking to herself it's just yeah. like yeah why couldn't you just have a like a running dialogue in her head as all this is happening yeah like I, just I, throw that in at the end and then that's how you execute it too yeah it felt just, unfortunately that that felt lazy to me that they had to explain this somehow and that's the way that they chose to do it where it's her talking to herself. It's just lazy. Yeah, because it, 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 I, I thought the voice in your head was the sound of your mother, not your own voice. So it should have been a completely different voice. It shouldn't have been you talking to yourself. Yeah, that's true. So you already fucked that up. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just it got, I don't know, it's just, it just became redundant. Like it, nothing, like you had the hook at the outset. 
mm-hmm. and you build it up decently enough and it's like okay we're gonna do something different this is gonna be great but then no they just throw it all out the window and they're like we're just going right back to what's always been done yeah yeah they were they definitely return to the the well they 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 go to the same same old home invasion well there and the other thing that and i i mean i don't know because i don't really know deaf people but she didn't seem believable with her not being able to hear and having the paralyzed vocal cords or whatever which is a good enough hook but at the same time she didn't seem like you know so she had this happen when she was 13 and clearly she's much older now but it didn't seem like she was attuned to you know her handicap or whatever you want to call it like she was just a regular person that was like oh i can't hear she wasn't like more attuned to like her senses and stuff and she didn't have like her house set up to like help her out in these situations well there was one thing there was there was one, one thing which you don't would you know if we're talking about the same thing you're thinking okay that should be implemented immediately but yeah. no it's not until the end but, you know, just there's a point in time where he comes into the house and I'm thinking, if you're a deaf person and you've been deaf for a while, you can clearly tell. I would yeah. think that you would be able to know that someone is entering the house just a mere feet from you. Yeah, because, I mean, even if even people that are not deaf, you, you get that feeling. Like, you get that feeling that you're being watched or someone is in the room with you, that someone's near you. Yeah. You just, you get that vibe. And even like, you know, smells and things like that. Like, well, and just think, just think, like, just do a fun experiment in your, in your house, your apartment, whatever. Just try to open up a window without making any fucking noise whatsoever or vibrations or anything. Like, it's completely impossible. Yeah. You, you, you feel the wind, you, the smells change. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like she would figure it out earlier than what she does. They just draw it out and that's just it just becomes the same old, same old. And that's that's the unfortunate thing. I I was totally on board with the beginning of this and the setup, but I feel like they really kinda dropped the ball after he reveals himself and at that point it, it does devolve into pretty much your standard home invasion thriller. And the fact that it's just kind of one on one it's not even that interesting, unfortunately. And I feel like yeah. they don't really go back and utilize the whole disability thing until towards the end. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I think they're, they, they made a lot of interesting choices. I think that making her a smart, strong lead that, that you know, made logical choices. Now, the only thing that I didn't quite understand and maybe I could be wrong here, but I thought if you need to contact 911 or anything, you don't need the internet. Oh, you can't do it from a computer. Can't do it from, okay. No, if, if you are on, because there's no, there's no like cell phone, like chip in, in, a, in a Mac, in a computer. Like, so you, she would need the phone. Like if she had access to the yeah, phone, yeah. you can do it. I gotcha. But yeah, she would need and that's that just goes back to the the use of technology, how when you have an iPhone and a Mac computer, the messages are synced between both. So like if she's sending a text message to someone saying help, he'll see that. Like he'll see that on her phone. 
even though she's typing it on the computer. Yeah. And I thought that that was just, uh, <laughs> I, I really liked that. I, I it was a nice that. touch, especially what they did with it at the beginning. And then I also thought to myself, like, wow, like, I think that the advances in technology must be fantastic for people that are that are deaf because you know you you 20 years ago you didn't have text messaging and facetime like you can yeah you know have a phone call you can call somebody up and speak with them even though you can't hear them like i think that's an amazing thing yeah and i just i wish that they utilized more things like that throughout the movie and not just at the beginning definitely but you know points for trying points for giving it a go but I, the thing that really surprised me is, you know, when I heard about Hush and I saw that it was Mike Flanagan and I was like, oh, OK, because I liked Oculus. That was one that surprised me. I was like this. And then, you know, you read a little bit about him. You got the hook there and you're like, OK, this is going to be something different here. And I do quick look on Letterboxd. Just look at all the, the stars. And it's like four stars, three and a half, three and a half, four, four, four. And I'm like, oh, shit. This is going to be good. But I honestly, like when I was done, I'm just like, what, what did I miss? What, what am I missing here? I don't what think are, you, what's I, everyone else seeing? Because I see nothing. It's just like, eh, that was all right. It was average to me. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was an average home invasion thriller that had an interesting hook. Like that. I feel like they, they could have capitalized on, on the hook a little bit more, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it was average to me. What's up, with, what's up with this? Everyone's using crossbows now. Yeah, it was definitely a, that, that was the other thing I liked. How she was having a really hard time getting <laughs> that crossbow loaded. Yeah, because they're they're they are they're tough. They're, they're tough are. to load, and I like how she was really struggling with that. She just kept trying and trying. That was maybe the the <laughs> that was probably the the sequence in which where like the like the actual like the pain that's being inflicted on her was actually like getting to me. Cause there for a second, it was just like snap, snap, snap. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, God, your hands, your hands has got to be killing you. Oh, and yeah. And, uh, the scene when he, oh, I mean, it's a spoiler, but he injures her in a way. Yeah. That was, uh, that, that was a when bit you, surprising. When you see it, you're just like, Oh God, like that just looks so bad. Yeah. And again, it's with, that's another moment where you're like, okay, we might, we, they might take this to a different place than what I'm accustomed to, but they don't. Like if she had to I'm sign sure. or something? And like anything. That, that would have been, yeah. Hmm. All right. Any final thoughts on Hush, Kevin? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's give, the, let's, uh, let's, right. give let's give Hush a score. I'm going to give Hush a six out of 10. I'm going to give Hush a four. Uh, and again, that's playing now on Netflix, so you can check that out on Netflix. I, there. <laughs> I just the look on her face on the poster just for whatever reason makes me laugh. She looks a little scared. Why. She looks a little scared. <laughs> she just she looks like more surprised. Like she's not really that scared. She's just kind of like, oh, oh, you're oh, okay. I could have used more something more with uh John Gallagher Jr as the the killer too. Like I know that it was probably meant to be just like he's just a random psycho but uh, just, just something more just because again it was basically just those two characters so maybe just a little bit a little bit more backstory from him or something. But yeah. 
I mean, the only thing you get out of it is that he's pretty dumb. Yeah, well. He's not the most intelligent. Yeah. Nah, he seems like kind of a redneck type person. <laughs> but also, the other guy was an idiot, too, when he, he tricks the other guy. I'm not yeah. going to say it, but it, that, to me, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that guy was an idiot. But I did appreciate, though, that how he, he did kind of point out that he got lucky. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, move on, talk about some of what we've been watching in the watch list. Uh, I think, Kevin, we'll start with you this week. I saw The uh, the Bigamist. Okay. This is on Fandor from 1953. Um, this is Ida Lupino, female director from the 50s. And this was the first film of hers, which I've seen. Uh, a lot of people like her. And obviously, she's pretty, pretty famous for being a female director in the 50s. And uh, she also stars in it. And as you can tell from the title, it's about a guy that he's got two wives. He's leading two lives. Uh-oh. Double right? life. Yeah, he's got that double life going. Uh, his one wife wants to, she wants to adopt a kid. So this, this is what kicks everything off. Because they got to do, the adoption agency's got to do this like full-on investigation of these two. Just, you know background checks, stuff like that. Just meet, greet, talk to people, trying to figure out, you know, are these decent enough human beings to, you know, take a kid in? Uh, and of course, right off the bat, the guy with the, the two wives is like, oh shit, this isn't going to work out for me. And obviously it doesn't. Early, early, pretty early. They find out. Um, and when the guy finds, yeah, when the guy finds out, because um, the, the, the other wife that he has, uh, he had to marry her because he got her pregnant. So he already has a kid. Uh, so once the, the guy finds out, it just it goes it just goes straight forward. It just it goes straight into he's like, Well, how did this happen? And he's like, Well, I'll tell you. And they sit down and then it goes to flashback, right? And it's him like narrating everything. And it's just it's dull. And it, honestly, the biggest issue is the the mean guy, the bigamist. He's just such a dull character. Mm. He's just, he, like, there's nothing to him. And it, honestly, like, three minutes in, you're just thinking, what are these two women doing with this guy? Why are they what with they this guy? What are they seeing this guy? And, like, the way he picks up his, his second wife is just, like, he's such a pathetic person. And it's just, just nothing really going on visually. The, the story itself, the, there's not much going on. Uh, the characters, I mean, the two women, they're interesting. I would like to see more of them, but you don't because everything that you really see is, you know, connected to him in some way. You know, I got pregnant. What are we going to do? That type of thing. We keep staying focused on this guy that just doesn't really have anything to offer. And it's just, just doesn't work for me at all. Mm, that's, a, that's unfortunate. Uh, that's the bigamist. Uh, I saw Everybody Wants Some. Oh. New Richard Linkletter. Uh, a little, now, a little, a little presumptuous, is it not? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, so this one, I was—I'm you know, a pretty big Richard Linkletter fan, I would say. But mm-hmm. the trailers were really not doing it for me on this one, and the idea of a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused had me a little apprehensive. I was like, ah, it's been like 23 years since since that movie came out, and I feel like he kind of caught lighting in a bottle with that one. And I just didn't see a movie coming out that could come anywhere close. But I will say, I loved Everybody Wants Some. I had such a fantastic time with this movie. It is 
it is very much a spiritual sequel to Days and Confused. Like it, it has the same look. Uh, the music selection is amazing. I mean, how uh, that that was one of the strongest things in Days and Confused, right? It was the the music, yeah. and he definitely uses utilizes the music in a very smart way in this one where it just seems like a perfect fit every every song that he uses just seems like a perfect fit for that scene um so basically this one whereas days and confused took place on the last day of high school and it kind of it was an ensemble piece but it it kind of focused on uh someone who was a freshman coming into high school this one takes place on uh, three days before the first day of college and it the main character is a college freshman. I'm pretty sure that it's all, it's all drawn from Richard Linkletter's life. I'm yeah. sure. And it's, it's about a, a group of baseball players who uh, live in the, the state bought two houses to, in order to house the baseball team for this college. So they move into this house and live together. And it's just a, it's a college movie. It's about them going to parties and having these kind of, pseudo philosophical conversations like Richard Linklater likes to do but in this one it's a lot lighter like they keep it very brief and very light there is a lot of dialogue and that's obviously the strongest aspect of the movie i mean there's no plot it's it's just like dazed and confused or slacker suburbia or any of his other earlier earlier movies where there is there's no yeah there's no conflict to be had here it's just these guys three days in their life before school starts. And uh, it's, it's funny. The characters are at first, you just think to yourself, I'm I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to be into these characters because they're kind of your typical college jocks Mm -hmm. and you're just, I I don't know, but they grow on you. Like the, they each have their own very distinct personalities, but, and they're all very funny and it, it, the movie grows on you. And I just, I wanted more of it by the end. It, it felt like a long movie. It was like two hours long, but it felt like it was a meaty movie. Like there's a lot going on there. And I think that that's just because of how Linkletter likes to structure his movies. Daisy and Confused feels like a pretty lengthy movie as well because there's no, there's no arc. There's no, it just, you don't, you don't see an end in sight. It just kind of meanders through these days yeah because you really yeah you don't really have any you know beacons within exactly. the plot that you're like okay everything's starting to get tied up a little bit yeah i mean probably like 20 minutes left in this thing exactly it just kind of meanders through through their lives which i appreciate i i, I don't need a movie to have a strong plot or conflict or anything like that um the only thing that this movie is really missing that dazed and confused has is is strong female characters like there, there really are no female characters in this at all. Like there, the the only females in this are pretty much girls that these guys are trying to hook up with, and that's really it. And so I really, I mean, I get it. Like this movie is about a house full of dudes, so I I totally understand why there aren't many female characters, and there is one who acts as kind of a love interest, and they did develop he he did develop her character, like she's. They spend time with her and, you know, she's very smart and she's like this artist type and he's this baseball player, but he's also very intelligent and it's, it was just great. I had a great time with it and I highly, highly recommend it. I do have a review up on the site for this. Okay. 
All right. But yeah, I, I don't know if you'll like it, Kevin, or not, because you seem a little wishy-washy with Linkletter. Let's see. But... I, don't, I don't know. I'm not really liking what I'm hearing, but I'll give it a shot. I always, for whatever reason, I give him a shot. It's just fun. It's just a fun, light, joyous movie. I, I left okay. the theater with a smile on my face. There's definitely a time and place for this. Those oh, and, and it looks really I like, good. Too. I like those. I like those bad. I like those bad boys on Sundays for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a it's a good oh. Sunday afternoon watch for sure. It it's, yeah, it also exactly. looks really good too. I, it doesn't. I think I don't quote me on it, but I think he shot it on thirty five millimeters, so it looks it looks okay, really good. I get on that. Get on that train. Maybe I do want some. I don't know. I'm torn, Adam. But well, I can tell you that I watched another movie from the 50s. Uh-oh. I'm I sagged. I sagged, buddy. Missed it. <laughs> hmm. We we've moved on. My apologies. No, you're good. Uh, Touch of Evil from 1958. Orson Welles. Um, oh boy. Uh, this sucker is ridiculous in execution. Like cinematography, everything that's going on here. Orson Welles camera. Oh my god. Let's. The movie starts off with, I don't know how long it is, like, I don't even want to say a number, but it's a, it's a single take, right? So it pops on, uh, and it's, what's going on here is there's some trouble going on on the Mexican border. So you get super close up of a bomb being placed in a car, and then we follow this car around. But while we're also following this car around, it kind of tails off to uh, Charlton Heston's character, and he's out out in the town with his wife so it kind of leaves the car and follows them for a little bit and then the car meets back up with them and you have you know the ticking the whole time and then it finally you know the shot ends with it cut into the explosion which oh my god that is that is an unbelievable way to start a movie because you're immediately just like yes this is fantastic i want all of this i can't wait to dig into it deeper even though there's Charlton Heston playing a Mexican guy, which doesn't work <laughs> which is, at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so terrible. Um, I'm also pretty sure that this was my first Charlton Heston movie, which I don't, I did not like his performance at all. I, it was awful. I, every time he was on screen, just irritated the hell out of me. Plus, then you add on top of that, that he's playing a Mexican guy, which just makes it, like, takes it to a whole nother level. Um, Orson Welles is just, I don't really know what Orson Welles is doing in this movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> he's like a sloppy, he's like the, he's like a sloppy drunk. It looks like the look of his character looks like he, from the outset, the, immediately when you, when you're introduced to this guy, you're like, oh shit, he's in the throes of a heart attack. And he has that heart attack throughout the movie, but he doesn't <laughs> die. heart attack. Yeah, but it's getting worse because he starts to sweat more and more and more as the movie goes on. But he doesn't die; like he's just hanging on. I don't know how he does it. He's—it's just him having a heart attack for like an hour and a half. It's incredible. Um, and just you—you you get a sense that they don't really give that Orson Welles just doesn't give a shit about the narrative. He doesn't care like the plot. He's just like, what the fuck? I'm just here to do stuff with my camera. Okay. Yeah. I'm just here to make directing decisions, all right? And which, to me, I was completely on board because his his decisions are great. They're fantastic. I mean, this guy's just, it's like nonstop angles and shadows. Just every fucking scene is like a different angle. And it, almost to a point, it gets overwhelming where you're just like, there's a bit too much going on. There's 
a little bit too much creativity. I don't know if I can handle this. But at the same time, you just hang on like Orson Welles is hanging on with his heart attack, and you just hang in there. And, man, the way it ends, it's just everything's fantastic about it. And it, it eases the whole, you know, Charlton Heston's playing the Mexican, and we have Mexican stereotypes all over the place. Yeah. And the, there's, there's this character, too, that's like a night watchman at, like, a hotel that they come to. They, you know, he's introduced, and his character just, he's so fucking out of place, and he's god-awful. I hated him so much. But his the 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 creative flourishes just they make up for all that stuff. So uh, I highly recommend that one if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I talked about this on the show not uh, back in May of 2014. Ah, yeah. So I I recommend it too. I gave that a ten out of ten. Actually, ooh, loved it. I give it nine. That I give it a nine, like nine nine and a half. It's just, it's just that night watch just <laughs> I was able to look past the night watch. <laughs> Uh, I saw Hardcore Henry. Oh boy! Yeah, saw some Talking about Hardcore Berlin. Henry. So, uh, this is a an entirely first person film. It's an action film. Uh, I gotta say, you know this this is getting kind of middle of the road reviews out there. I, I wrote a review for this too, actually. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. I I don't know what people wanted out of this movie, but. I wanted a high octane action movie, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what I got. the okay. The plot is nearly non-existent, and there's a lot of leaps in the logic of this movie. And maybe maybe that's what it's nonstop. It's just a nonstop action movie. The first three minutes are the the character of Henry, who we we see through his eyes the entire time. He wakes up in a lab. People come in, try to kill him, and then that's it. Just from that point, it starts and it never stops. It's it's almost too much action. It's almost too intense where they don't give you a moment to breathe. Uh, but I got to say, like, I gave it a six out of ten based. I mean, the the technical achievement of this movie in general, I watched some if you go online and I would suggest seeing the movie first, but you can go online and see some behind the scenes stuff. Holy crap. I mean, the, some of the stunt work and some of the crazy stuff that they do in this movie, it's, an, it's really impressive. I mean, they used, an, they used all GoPros. This is a movie shot entirely using GoPros. And it's just, it's crazy. It is a crazy-ass movie. It is utterly over the top in every single way. Charlto Copley's in it. He's really, uh, Tim Roth's in it for like one scene. But um, Charlto Copley plays five or six different characters in this. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And he's, I thought he was great in it because all the characters that he plays are completely different. Like one, he's like this coked up, uh, just crazy guy. He plays this punk rocker that has a giant mohawk and busts up people with a, with a, I think it was with an ax or a bat. He plays this British soldier. He plays a, like a, like a secret agent, like hitman type. He plays all these different characters, yeah. and uh, he added a lot of kind of comedic levity to the to the movie. But man, I, I, I gotta I gotta recommend it just because of how insane it is. The it's it, the level of violence is so in, in intense too. I mean, holy crap, people get destroyed in this movie. There's a scene. I mean, it's just like a first person shooter game. That's exactly what it is. I mean, he'll go into a room. 
and he'll pick up a new gun and it's like a grenade launcher. And then there's one scene where he shoots someone point blank with a grenade launcher and the person explodes, of course. And uh, it's, it's just a, it's a great time. I had a great time with it. Just don't expect anything in regards to a story or plot progression well, or I'm just, with anything my, like that. My, what I'm wondering is um, who was expecting that? You I know what I mean? Like, I don't you don't go into a hardcore Henry thing and like, damn, this plot's going to be great. It's going to be fucking airtight. Yeah, can't, I don't, wait, can't wait to see what they did with that writing. I, th- there were aspects of it that were they needed to be better explained. They never, so Henry doesn't talk because he's kind of like a cyborg. He has robotic parts. He's, he's like a superhero, but he's kind of, sort of like RoboCop. And he, the assault on the lab happens before they can install his like voice chip or whatever. So he doesn't talk throughout the whole movie. He's completely silent. And they never, they never bother explaining who he is, what happened to him, where he came from. Like, like Charlotte Copley, they kind of explain his backstory, but I mean, it is so surface level in the explanations. You know, they're like, everyone is here for the action. So let's just get to that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much exactly like those, the music videos that, you know, these are, these are based on or well, that started with the music videos. Yeah, uh, it's it's those where the those music videos had almost no plot whatsoever. Like there was something there, but they never explained anything. And that's exactly how this movie is, where nothing is explained at all. You're just kind of thrown in and you have to figure it out. And I think the point of that was that, you know, part of what happened to him was that he lost his memory. So he has no recollection of what happened or who he was or where he came from or anything like that. And I think that the the point was that the audience, you, the audience are Henry. Yeah. And so you're trying to figure things out, but there's no resolution. Like you don't figure anything out. There's a guy like the villain can, he has telekinetic powers. He can float. He can pick people up and pick objects up and throw them across the room and do all this crazy stuff. But it's like, what, how, who is this guy? It's just, <laughs> I just imagine the filmmakers being like, I don't know. Yeah. They're like, fuck it. Who cares? It looks awesome though, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's, that, that was the thing. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of really crazy action. Yeah. And let's be honest, that's fun. Like sometimes that is just, it's fun to have that. Just be like, I don't care why any of this is happening. <laughs> I just want to watch it happen. Yeah. I don't and... give a shit. I I had a good time with it. I mean, I actually I probably could have used a little bit of something, just a little bit, maybe character development, plot, something in there because I needed a reprieve. I it was it was so much action that at one point, maybe halfway through, I actually got bored. Like I was, I found myself getting bored because it was just a never-ending onslaught of. Yeah, enemies yeah. that he was going up against. It was very much like watching someone play a video game, you know, or you... or playing Dynasty Warriors. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like after a while, like you know, like the first like hour, you're like, "This is fucking cool. These yeah. weapons, this shit is awesome." And after a while, you're just like, "I'm just doing the same thing over and over again." Yeah, I mean, it 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 did get dull at one point. I mean, it's even though it was what was happening was crazy. It was just like, all right, 
but then then like the 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 big car chase that you see in the trailer that occurred and i was like all right okay this is all right we're getting crazy now and then the the climax of the film is out of control i mean it's he goes up against essentially an army and destroys everyone and it is a bloodbath but yeah i had a i had a really fun time with this movie and i would recommend going to see it the the whole motion sickness thing it didn't happen i didn't have any issues at all with it yeah uh, my my girlfriend she did have to look away a few times she does get motion sick pretty pretty easily so she had to kind of look away a couple times but she said that after she sort of became acclimated to because she said that she ha- kind of had to watch this in a different way than she watches normal movies. But once she kind of oh, okay. got adjusted to it, she said it was it was fine. Okay. But it is literally a dude wearing a, a helmet that has a GoPro strapped to it. So you do have to get used to it. It's very shaky <laughs> a, oh, a lot. But, I mean, okay. they did a pretty good job. I mean, there's, there's scenes where you're... There's like parkour stuff going on where you're like flipping off walls and shit. And it's, they did a pretty good job of making it as easy on the eye as they could. Gotcha. But yeah, I would actually recommend checking out Hardcore Henry. All right. Uh, I have one that I'm going to kind of hold off on Red Right Return, which is playing on fan dependent films. Uh, I, number one, I just, I recommend it. it's got Leo Fitzpatrick in there. Plus, it's got the guy from Cold Weather who played Brothers, deals with addiction. Uh, it's the only thing that I will say is at one point it kind of gets, um, gets extremely basic, but within that it almost becomes abstract because it's just, it's honestly for like a a decent stretch. It's just a guy walking around. Hmm. Like that's it. He's just walking around wandering, but it's the way that they set it up and the way that they execute it, it. It's quite impressive because like I said, it becomes, it becomes more than that you know, becomes kind of abstract and a little bit ex- experimental, even though it's just a guy wandering around. He's just walking around, just walking, doing his thing with his backpack. Uh, but I know you're going to be checking this out at some point, so I'll, I'll hold off on saying anything more Yeah, to, well, to get checked. Check it out. Yeah, this is available for free right now on fandependent.com. Full disclosure, we are uh, sort of partnering with them for this this season's festival. Uh, to to help promote it and everything. Um, yeah, I'll probably be checking this out. We'll probably talk about it in more detail later on at some and, point. Yeah, so I'll hold off for that. You know, the only other one that I did watch is which you can watch right now. It's up on Vimeo. Um, and that's uh Kurt Walker's Fit to Pass. Is this kind of experimental documentary? That's how you already saw it. this. No, I missed it. We, I mean, we covered this back when. Um, Gina Teleroli's uh, Here's to the Future came out. They released these two, got together and released both of their films for like a month. And we covered both of them. Jake covered Hit the Pass and I covered the other one. Oh, uh, okay. I, I missed it, but now Kurt Walker has put it up on Vimeo for free. Anyone can see it anytime. Um, it's a little over an hour, um, uh, heavy on the digital cinematography. They use drones at a couple of points here and there. Um, it feels like it almost feels like a mission statement almost like these guys are kind of like, Hey, this is, this is what we're going to be doing in the future. This is, this is like the type of films that we're going to be making here. 
because it starts out pretty it just kind of looks like a normal documentary it's just they go to this this guy that they know um he's getting ready for like a demolition derby race and that's why it's called hit to pass you have to hit the guy in order to pass so it's him and his dad getting this car ready for the race right so it just just follows them around while they're doing their thing um and then it kind of sort of segues into this interview with uh an aboriginal and he's talking about some things and then you kind of start to realize that they're they're kind of they're going out further and further in the community to, to kind of show like the tightness of the community itself it it's it's pretty impressive for you know the resources that they have that they're able to pull this off i mean they don't pull it off completely that it blows your mind but it is it is a good start and that's why i say that it kind of feels like a mission statement like this is this is what we're going to be doing this is how we're going to do documentaries which right there is enough that you know i like this enough that i'm i'm, I'm on board i want to see more maybe you could uh do the cover for their next movie because this one is terrible <laughs> well and then the thing is they get they kind of like tie video games into it towards the end too mm. it's like yeah it it's surprising how much is there because on the surface it doesn't feel like much until you start to think about it a little bit and start to dig into it and it's kind of surprising how much you get out of it because mm. on the surface you're just like oh, okay that was that was interesting it kind of feels like a like a student project or something but then when you actually do sit down with it and start to think about it more, you're like, oh, okay, I see what these guys are doing. Cool. Uh, Hit to Pass. You can check it out for free on Vimeo right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really have anything else I'm going to talk about. <laughs> like how they just kind of died down for you. <laughs> nah, so I'm done. All right. Well, let's, let's get into some other shit. All right. Well, we'll talk about some predictions. The boss. You said 38. I said 48. Actual eight. Not not great. Hardcore Henry, you said 64, I said 78, actual 51. Not great on that. Demolition, you said 44, I said 52, actual 50. Mm. Yeah, so... Mm. Which I don't understand. I only saw, like, one little, and it was honestly, a, like, a pop-up trailer. I think it was, like, when I went to IMDb or something. You know how they'll just, like, instantly play? Yeah. But I have no sound on, right? So it's just this little video... <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal dancing and I'm like what the fuck is this movie about like it looks so upbeat I think I have no desire to see it whatsoever he's just dancing down the street that's all I saw and then that one photo of him holding like a like he's like destroying a room or something yeah I'm so confused by this movie yeah well his wife dies and then he dismantles things in order to cope or something and he befriends like a kid or something but where's the dancing down the street coming out? Is that before or after his wife dies? I have no idea. See, now I kind of want to know. No idea. Mm. Next week, we have uh, The Jungle Book. The old John Favreau action. Disney Ooh. live action Jungle Book. You know, it's interesting. I had no desire to see this whatsoever. I, I, like, I like John Favreau. No, no, huh. not until I saw the trailer. Um... After I saw, even after I saw the trailers, I was just like, eh, man, eh, not really doing it for me. Uh, but I heard that it's amazing. Like I heard that uh, I heard nothing but great things about it. So yeah, I honestly, when I saw that, I had no interest whatsoever. And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, that actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, the the first trailer that I saw, I was like, eh, not not really interested. But 
I heard that there was there was like one other trailer that came out that I didn't see. Like the latest trailer I heard is is a lot better. But um, I heard it's uh, heard it's fantastic. I heard that the um the like the animation, the animals, uh, it's like the best that's ever been displayed in cinema. So I'm interested in that too. All right, let's do it. Yeah, what are you thinking on the Jungle Book? I'm thinking like a 86. 86, okay. I'm going to say 88 on that. Damn, going a little bit higher. All right. We got Criminal. Uh, Criminal. This is, is this the one with uh, Kevin Costner? Oh, so I know it's judging by the title of the movie. I just don't want to see it. I don't care who's in it. I think it's the yeah. one with Kevin Blaine. Costner. Yeah, there's Blaine. Play. Yeah, Kevin Costner and Ryan Reynolds. Imagine someone plays a criminal. The memories of, and skills of a CIA agent are implanted into the brain of a dangerous criminal in order to stop. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is directed by um, the guy that did The Iceman. Oh. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, God. I'm going to say, like, 32 on this one. Say 24. 24? All right. And then we have Barbershop, the next cut. Oh. You thinking mm. on this this bad boy? Damn, Cube is back. Heck yeah! I'm gonna say 68 on Barbershop. 68. All right. Uh, I will say 46. Yeah. And then finally we have Green Room. What? Finally? Yeah. I've been hearing about this damn movie for like three years. It feels like I'm dying. I'm dying to see it. I need it in my life right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say... <laughs> give out of a grief room already. <laughs> Before I die. Uh, I'm going to say 82 on this. 82? I'm going to say 77. Uh, right in limited release, we have Sing Street. I think Green Room... I don't know if Green Room's getting... I think it is getting a wide release, actually. We have Sing Street. That's the one by the... Oh, what's his name? Damn it. The guy that did Once. Oh, okay. Um... No interest. Eh, I have a mild interest. It's a '80s coming of age story. John Carney. John Carney. Yeah, about kid who starts up a new wave, new wave band. Oh boy! Uh, Watch out! I like me some new wave. Looks like it's got a pretty decent soundtrack too. So, yeah, I'll be checking it out probably. I'll probably wait. I probably won't see it in theaters. But, uh, what else do we have? Colonia. Colonia. Yeah, it's the one with uh, Emma Watson. With, uh, Emma Watson, yeah, Daniel Brule. Get that Brule. Get yeah. that Brule action going. Uh, the Adderall Diaries. This is the one with, with James Franco. I was actually interested in this one. This this played Tribeca last year, and I was I was interested in it, but I kind of kind of fell off for me a little bit. And uh, no, honestly, James Franco needs to be stopped. <laughs> He just needs this to man up. is out of control. It's it's it was kind of funny at first, but we got it. We got it. I'm just excited down. to we see. Calm down. It's just too much. I'm just excited to see that that uh, <laughs> the, when him him playing Tommy Wiseau. Oh God! I just want to see him playing Tommy Wiseau because uh, that looks amazing, and his brother playing the other guy from the room. Uh, we have Rio. I love you. No interest in that. Is that one of the I love you? Yeah, 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 it is. Okay. I th- I feel like the only one that I liked was Paris. 
I was really disappointed with with um New York and was the other one Tokyo? Yeah, Tokyo was alright. I didn't like it. We also have Sky, the first day in the first Monday in May, which is a documentary, uh, The Measure of a Man. Uh, what do we have here? Our Last Tango, 13 Cameras. Okay. Above and Below. A lot of these I'm not really familiar with. Paradox. It's one with Zoe Bell. It's a time okay. travel, time travel action movie. Oh boy. The Empire of Corpses? What? What is that? Great fucking title. That's what that is. Is that, is that a I Japanese? Can't, I can't type it past that. Oh, it's, oh, it's an animated film. Oh, Empire of Corpses? Yeah. That's a badass title. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Next week on VOD, we have 13 cameras and a film called Holidays. Next week on Blu-ray... We have The Forest. I'm not interested in that. Which right. I, I, I didn't hear anything good about that one. No, no. I think it's a PG-13. See, The Forest, I can't remember the name of that, the, the real forest. They yeah. call it The Suicide Forest or something. It, it looks, I mean, that there's a Vice documentary that came out on that, and it's really interesting. But this movie doesn't, doesn't, look, so, doesn't look so hot. Uh, let's see. It follows. That's getting some kind of Blu-ray re-release. Watch out! It's got a really cool cover. Uh, that's pretty much it for next week or this wow. week, rather. And then not not a whole lot coming out here. Oh, I'm not seeing a lot on this uh, list at all. Heavens! Looks like there's a DC animated movie called Justice League versus Teen Titans. Oh shit! That seems lopsided, doesn't it? It it absolutely does. Like yes. what Justice League? What the fuck are you fighting teens for? I don't know. I don't know what that's going to be about. I probably I'll probably skip that when I'm not. I usually these days I'm just interested in the Batman ones. <laughs> you can't get enough Batman. Nope. You just want Batman all day, every day. All day, every day, Batman. And if you if you could just slip slip a uh, green room in there. Yep, Batman and Good green time. room. <laughs> Uh, I forgot to mention the lady in the car with glasses and a gun comes out. <laughs> okay, the best title of any movie ever. Mm. Uh, what, we... it, what was that other one? Wasn't there a movie called like uh, some guy that kills people or something like that? Maybe, probably. I think it's one of my favorite titles. Some guy that kills people. Kills people. Uh, all right, what do we have on the Criterion front next week? <laughs> Only Angels Have Wings. Howard Hawks, 1939. Uh, you got Cary Grant there. You got Rita Hayworth. And I don't know anything about it, but probably decent. I've been getting into some Howard Hawks this year, trying to trying to dig into some Hawks movies. I haven't been disappointed so far, really. It's got a cool cover. It does have a pretty cool cover. Very, uh, very noir-esque cover. Okay, so I just looked this up. Sorry to change this up. Some Guy Who Kills People what it's called and it's kevin corrigan oh yeah <laughs> i remember that one that was really bad that movie oh it's also got leo fitzpatrick in there yeah i remember that movie that came out a couple of years ago yeah, 2011 yep 
All right, well, I think that that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet, at FilmPulseKevin. If you want to send us your questions and topics, our email address is podcast at FilmPulse.net. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week.